I was discussing with my producer yesterday what today's topic should be for the show. And based on what was happening with Curve Finance and the fact that the CEO, Michael, could still get liquidated and effectively crash all of DeFi, I said, let's talk about if DeFi is broken or DeFi is dead. Then doing 10 more minutes of due diligence with today's guest, Joshua Frank, we found that there were three more hacks just in the last two days, a couple major hacks last week. Last month, probably 75,000 hacks. And North Korea apparently is hacking everybody out here, going to sell all their Bitcoin, crash everything, and it's bad. So what we're going to do today, before we have Texas West Capital, Chris, come on at the end of the show and talk charts. Josh and I are going to go for our Seinfeld Festivus moment. We are going to air our grievances. And the next time I have him on, I promise we will talk about how both of us are literally all in financially in the crypto market and the things that we're bullish on. But it is an absolute shit show right now. Bitcoin sitting here at support and DeFi just an absolute disaster. So if you're here for some extreme positivity, I don't know, man. Sign off. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and smash the like button into your face. Just take your keyboard and beat your head with it because that's what I wanted to do when I was doing my research, D-Y-O-R, this morning for this show. I didn't think it was that bad. It was like, we're going to do this clickbait title and talk about how DeFi was in trouble because of the curve finance hack. I talked that to death a few weeks ago. But basically, to give you the gist, the CEO took a massive loan using his own founder tokens. We're talking about like a $100 million loan with over collateralized with $300 million in tokens. Then Curve got hacked, of course. Curve went down. Price came very, very close to his liquidation that he had used uh, those funds to buy two mansions because this is fucking crypto. And then... He sold a whole bunch of Curve Finance tokens over the counter to a bunch of friends on handshake deals. You guys won't sell, right? Right, guys? Justin, son, you you wouldn't do me dirty like that. Uh, For 40 cents, he sold all these things. Well, now we're at 46 cents, just barely 12, 13% over that price. And we've seen some of those people who did OTC deals sending their coins to centralized exchanges. But they insist they're just there for safekeeping. Not going to do anything with them. So if this gets liquidated, it would have massive consequences on Aave, other lending protocols, and could basically liquidate the limited TVL that we have left in DeFi. And that's not even the best story, but I'm going to go ahead and bring Josh on. We're going to talk about this. Josh, it was really fun uh, doing our research this morning, right? Yeah, yeah. All great news. All great news. All good news. First, I do want to share some good news. Guys, check out this shirt that I'm wearing. I don't know if you see it. It's Gary Gensler getting arrested by a bunch of Pepe police. And that shirt came from none other than Joshua Frank at the time. This was a gift that arrived at my door. And it's my favorite thing I've ever owned in my entire life. Don't tell my kids. I don't know my kids, I guess. But it's basically my favorite possess- physical possession. What, where, what, what happened? How'd you make these? <laughs> oh, I, well, so it, was, it wasn't made by the tie. It was made by one of the designers on my team. He just showed up at my desk and he just like... He was like, I have a gift for you. And he gave it to me. And then I was like, I'll just post this on Twitter and uh, post it on Twitter. And uh, you liked it. And so I had him send you one too. 
<laughs> oh, good. Wow. I just saw that uh, Nick Trades is here in the audience. That's awesome. I have to say, I, I don't know that I've ever seen you here, but in 2017, her and Chris Inks, who I uh, have on the back, those were the only two people that I followed for trading ideas, learned an absolute ton. Amazing to see you here. That's, that's really, really awesome. But anyway, so while we're, while we're talking about uh, that was a positive thing, let's get into a few other positive things like what's happening in DeFi right now. So first of all, man, what are your broad strokes? I mean, is it as bad as I'm sort of discussing and yeah, describing I mean, I it here? It, I think it is, right? Look, DeFi and it, DeFi was really born in the summer of 2020, right? Obviously, DeFi had existed before, but it really kind of bore out of the pandemic and a low interest rate environment. And it was an area where you could go earn thousands of percent yield trading on kimchi swap, burger swap. I don't know, all these, anything you could, any food item swap uh, back in 2020. And it started there and and it started to, you know, kind of move to a place where, you know, there, there are real products and real infrastructure and real tools that are being built that do solve real problems. The challenge is right now I can go earn 5% uh, in yields from treasury bonds uh, versus I can earn in some cases less than that uh, on DeFi protocols with all of the smart contract risk associated with it. I mean, the biggest problem that we have with DeFi, the idea of DeFi isn't a problem. I think the idea of DeFi is great. I think the idea that you can go out and you don't have to interact with the bank, there's no middleman, uh, and you can go and you can borrow and you can trade and you can do other things. I think that's a great idea. The problem is right now, like, how are we ever going to attract anybody new into crypto? Yes, there are people interacting on DeFi, but it's the same people. We're just swishing our money around in a circle. When is the last time, just ask yourself this, when is the last time you spoke to somebody who said, I interacted with DeFi for the first time this year? Or that, or, or when's the last time you talked to somebody who said, I interacted with DeFi and it was super simple, man. The UX UI was great. You it's know, not just... even UX UI. Let's take that aside. UX UI aside, which is, a, which is another issue, um, it's, it's just like, why would you put your money in DeFi? And I mean, I, I think just to kind of expand on that fact, I mean, on the institutional side, we have a ton of clients that were interfacing with DeFi uh, and they're all afraid. I mean, if you look at this, so I actually found this list and I don't, I'm not familiar with this website or, or this company, but uh, let me share my screen here. Bring your uh, screen up. I love lists. So this is this, and this doesn't even have some of the new hacks from from since May. So there's a lot more hacks that have occurred since May. So this is just pre-May, uh, and then you know we've had I don't know three hacks in the last week or so. You know you're talking, uh, I don't know, 148 DeFi exploits. You know, uh, at, at, you know totaling 4.28 billion dollars. If you look at today, the market cap of all DeFi tokens is only about 35 billion dollars, right? So. And that's not TVL, obviously, but you're talking, I mean, these are gigantic, gigantic, gigantic uh, amounts of money that are being hacked. Uh, and, and there's a huge, I mean, you basically, to manage your risk in DeFi, you basically have to operate under the assumption that 20% of your money is going to be lost, right? 10 to 20% of your money. I don't understand how that can, how, how we can live in, in a world where, where that happens, right? And I think there's obviously, there are different reasons why all of these DeFi protocols get hacked, right? Um you know, some cases it could be a rug pull, right? Where the founder just goes and steals the money. In some cases, it could be the fact that, you know, I don't think people take smart contract audits seriously. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, this protocol is audited, but was it audited a week ago? And did they make a code change? Because if it wasn't audited since the code change came out, you know, and, and who audited it and what's their track record and, you know, how many protocols they audited got hacked, right? It, it was like a meme. I remember it, it must've been 2021, 
when it was like audited by Surtech, and you'd be like, Surtech, and you'd be like, oh, you're getting hacked like tomorrow. Like your shit's getting drained. <laughs> the the, the, yeah, the I mean, best auditing firms means nothing. There, there are some. I, I actually had, I actually spoke to uh, the founders of Halborn, a, you know, maybe six months ago. They said they'd only had one protocol ever that they audited that had got hacked. So it sounds like they have a better track record. I don't know the last six months though if any of these were them. So, so, I, so I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 concerning, and it's just like, look, if you're right now for crypto to go grow, we need more capital to come in. Right. We need new money in the system. We need new participants in the system. And there are a lot of problems. You know, one of those problems, and I shared it with you uh, earlier today, is the fact that the Federal Reserve of San Francisco found that uh, U.S. savings dwindled from two point one trillion dollars in May to one hundred ninety billion dollars now. Or sorry, in March. And and we're, they're going to be uh, basically totally gone by the end of the month. Right. So now we have a situation in which, uh, you know, you can earn five percent yield on on treasuries right? US doesn't have a lot of savings anymore, right? And, and institutions that we're interfacing with crypto or allocating to crypto are like, why would I go and I take that risk, right? And so it's, and look, this is coming from somebody, by the way, who has 99% of his liquid net worth and illiquid net worth tied to crypto, right? So I'm a long-term believer in crypto. It, we're just not in a good spot right now, right? I mean, I think the, the confluence of all these factors are not helping. I just want to reiterate the number that you just said because you said it in passing and you had tagged it for me here. There was $2.1 trillion in U.S. savings in March, so six-ish months ago. That's now $190 billion. That I mean, that's like the chart of a shitcoin. That's down like 90% in six months or something. That's and they, they say by the end of this month, it's going to be totally gone if you keep scrolling down. So and anecdotally, I keep saying that it feels like everyone's having their last hurrah summer before the apocalypse. Like if this was a movie and we all knew an asteroid would coming, what would we have been doing with our savings this summer? Like traveling on extravagant journeys and quitting our jobs and stuff. It feels like that's what everyone's doing before this impending recession that's inevitably coming and they have no money left. It's like, fuck it. I might as well just blow off the top before uh, we, we get there. Yeah. And look, and, 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 and maybe that happens. And that's probably a good thing because I think, you know, we need, we need um, inflation to continue to cool. We need spending to continue to cool um, if we want the Fed to, to stop hiking interest rates or to, to lower interest rates for that matter. Right. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's a good thing. And I think, you know, obviously every, every economist that knows, you know, and, and a lot of them know a lot better than I do. Everyone seems to have a different perspective on what's going to happen. Some people think, you know, we haven't yet seen the impact of, you know, of, of 525 to 5.5% rates on the economy yet. Other people do think we've had an, you know, seen an impact. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, differences in opinion here, but the U S economy seems to be humming along. But if you look at Europe, I mean, it's a total fucking shit show. So um, I don't know, but, but like, you know, we're at a point now where if you're an allocator, right, if you're a pension fund, if you're an endowment um, you know, if you're a sovereign wealth fund, Right now, crypto, you know, that's that's what fueled a lot of this boom, right? The boom was fueled by two things. The boom was fueled by stimulus checks, low interest rates, and people having a lot of excess spending to go in to crypto. And, and you know, I know we're talking now broader crypto than just DeFi, as well as, you know, crypto funds were able to raise a lot of money from high net worth individuals and their family offices, as well as from we saw, you know, we saw the Ontario Municipal Employee Retirement System invest in crypto companies. We saw the Quebec. Celsius. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, that was Quebec. Quebec invested in Celsius. Yeah, in right. I, don't, I think Omer's was FTX and a couple yeah. others, but Quebec definitely invested in Celsius. That was not a good investment. Um, 
And I don't know how they didn't miss that intelligence because everyone in crypto knew. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you saw Tomasic, the Singaporean sovereign wealth fund, invest in FTX and a bunch of other companies. GIC, the Singaporean sovereign wealth fund, you know, that was who invested at the last valuation of Fireblocks, the Chainalysis of all of these uh, Falcon X, of all these these large crypto raises, right? But they also seeded crypto fund managers, and we're in a place now where. For crypto funds, it's really difficult to raise capital, right? They're really struggling to raise new money. There are some that are, right? But it's, 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 and that's broad for all investors, but crypto specifically, right? People are like, why would I give you money right now if I could go earn 5% yield putting money in treasuries? Like, why, why am I putting my money in crypto? And that's just really not a good place to be in at this point. Yeah, if the appeal of DeFi can't even get you more than 5% with uh, more risk, it obviously makes no sense. I just want to cook through some of these hacks just so people can see. What, we're not just making this up. This is, what, today? Uh, this DeFi is, this is a couple days ago. Okay, yeah. sorry, yeah. Oh, four days ago. So Old news. Yeah. DeFi protocols, exactly. Never heard of it. Harbor, literally never heard of it. Hacked <laughs> in separate attacks. A fresh round of attacks targeted the DeFi ecosystem on August 18th with exactly protocol exploited for nearly $7.3 million. <laughs> pennies well harbor's team is still estimating the amount stolen that line right there is the one that just is the real kick in the nuts for me on crypto do you remember i think it was the ronin hack like a year or two ago with the bridge hack and they didn't realize it had happened for like six days it was like 400 million dollars was missing and literally nobody even knew about it for six days because they were too drunk to check like the, the problem here is that, yes, it's smart contract risks, but there obviously should be a human monitoring it to see when funds disappear, right? I mean, how do you not know how much? It, the blockchain is really transparent. Like, is it just that they, they can't calculate the ETH to USD I, I value? It, it, might, it, might, it, might be, it might also be that there are multiple different smart contracts that are vulnerable and they don't know how many of them are vulnerable or not. That seemed like that's been the case with Balancer, which happened yesterday. Right, but the money disappears like, from the account. Here's Balancer, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, from the wallet. Okay, here's Balancer, keep going. Yeah, no, no, I mean, like, you know, the, the, it's, it seemed like for Balancer, 1.9% of the assets, and if you scroll down on this, this story, uh, it seems like 1.9% of the assets ended up being at risk, not all of the assets. Uh, 1.4%, so $10 million, 1%. right? But it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous, right? I mean, it's just how can you how, how I love DeFi. I love the teams building in DeFi. I'm close friends with a lot of them. But we're at a point now where it's just like curve and balancer were two, you know, were two blue chip DeFi projects. And curve is now, and I told you this today, this is the most ridiculous fucking stat. Curve is now further down from its all-time high than FTT. What the fuck? I, how is like I don't That's understand. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, it's further that's, down that's, from its all-time high than FTT. It's down. I have the monthly. Um, we're down. Yeah, I mean, the all-time high, if you count that way to the launch, was $23. It's at $0.46. Cents. It actually FTT, hit, it actually FTT's hit, popping. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's all-time high. It actually at one point hit 60 bucks for a second. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it's down 99.24% from its all-time high. Um, yeah, as, British, as uh, British soccer fans, English soccer fans say it, seems to be coming home. Um, I mean, this thing does not, I don't see any reason it's going to bounce massively here. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, what a joke. And so balancer, I mean, like you said, these are the blue chips, right? I mean, curve balancer. These are the ones that have been around for a long Keep in time. Mind, it's still at a one and a half billion dollar fully yellow to market cap. So it's still, I mean, it's still relatively huge. Um, I don't know what that means, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking to your point, you know, large, blue chip assets, 
you know, that are down 99% for their all-time high. Killing it. Another crypto bridge collapses as DeFi lender on optimism suffers 7 million tech. Also didn't hear about this one. 7 million, this is probably, this is exactly, right? Okay, yeah, that's on optimism. So, I mean, now we don't even hear about 7 million. Uh, this one's 10 days ago, so totally irrelevant at this point. Zunami, literally who makes these names up. Uh, protocol, that sounds like the name of like a place you would keep animals in Black Panther or something. Protocol loses over 2.1 million in price manipulation hack. DeFi yield farm aggregator promised the highest APY in the market. Turns out that when you promise really high APY, maybe it's not that safe. I don't know. I mean, there's so many of these. But, but who's going. hacking it? Let's let's go to the best part. Who has been part of a lot of these oh, hacks? Why don't you? There you go. Pull we got that. Here you go. Directly from the FBI. This is specifically Bitcoin, but uh, you know the FBI. Uh, you know, identifying the fact that. Uh, you know, I, I, what is the total number here? I don't know if they posted it, but... but uh, This is saying they're about to sell $40 million, but we know that they've literally... I mean, so this this story is that they, they're going to sell $40 million worth because it's being moved, but we know that they've already hacked billions, and I think this year alone, it's a few hundred million. They, yeah, I mean, it, in June, there was a uh, $60 million hack on June 22nd, $37 million hack on June 22nd, and... $100 million hack on June 2nd. So within June, they managed to hack $200 million. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're paying for this Lazarus group trip to North Korea. Uh, yeah, and this is just yeah. Lazarus group. And then there was this one, Atomic Wallet is now we, yeah, this that was, was an older hack, but now, yeah, there's an old hack, but now they're facing a lawsuit of a hundred over a hundred million dollars for their losses. So now we're actually seeing people start to push back. I mean, Thailand threatens Facebook with shutdown over crypto scams. I mean, where is the where's the news that's that's good here? U.S. I court mean, hands three-year jail sentence to a sim swapper. I, <laughs> I've also been seeing crypto scams on Twitter ads all the time now all over the, time. the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's been crazy. It's just very clear and obvious scams. I mean, it's 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 just it's gotten to the point where there's just not a lot going for us right now. And the question is, what turns the tide here, right? And so. ETF. The, hopefully, right? So hopefully, I mean, go look at, pull up the XRP chart. Look at what happened to XRP since it's since they the- both. So Bitcoin is also round tripped, right? I mean, Bit, Bitcoin is back to the same price that it was before the announcement that uh, BlackRock was filing, right? And XRP, and XRP has XRP 20, has more than round tripped its move. It's it down twenty six percent. It's down twenty six percent over the last thirty days. Yeah, I mean, it was it it got to a high of ninety five cents on that move, basically in one week this is the weekly chart and then lo- back down to 42 cents and now at 51 i mean this is tragic and this was like imagine being an xrp and i'm not saying this in a critical manner like i'm saying this genuinely like imagine you're an xrp holder and you're like i'm gonna hold for years because we're gonna win and then you win and you get like a one-day pump and full retracement yeah i mean the the, the problem is it's a very consistent problem we need new money in the system. It can't be the same money. It can't be the same users. Without new capital in the system, this market's not going to grow. It's the same people sending money back and forth to each other, right? Everyone is fighting over the same users. Everyone is airdropping to the same users who are running in circles, catching those airdrops, and then fucking off from the protocols, right? It's just, there, there's, you know, there's, it's no new friends, right? We need new friends. And in order to get new friends, you know, we need new friends from two sides. We need new retail friends and we need new institutional friends. From an institutional perspective, I am confident, which is good, that there is much better infrastructure being built, right? From an institutional perspective, we're now seeing from an exchange perspective, we obviously have 
you know, EDX markets, which is backed by Citadel and Virtu and others that are separating out a lot of the parts of the exchange that Gensler has gone after, you know, from settlement to trading and other things, right? We have uh, improvements. I mean, Coinbase, to its credit, has not had any exploits or hacks or anything bad happen to it for over 10 years at this point, I believe, right? So we have, you know, we have, you know, we have that, we have, uh, you know, better custody solutions. We have Boney Mellon taking custody seriously. We have State Street taking crypto custody seriously, right? So there is infrastructure that is getting built for institutions, but they also, you know, they need to be able to raise money to, to, to inter interact in this market and they need to see liquidity. Without liquidity and without confidence that their money is not going to be stolen, it's really hard for them to interface. No matter, you know, you, you kind of have this problem where a lot of funds, there were a lot of funds, for example, that were trading so a fund has what's called the GP and the LP. The GP is the general partners. It's the people that own the hedge fund or the venture fund. And then you have the LP. That's all the investors in the fund, right? That would be like if this the sovereign wealth fund of a particular country put money into a fund, they'd be the LP. But the person who owns the fund is the GP. So in 2021, 2022, we saw a lot of big hedge funds testing crypto trading with the GP, with the partner's capital. A lot of them were trading on FTX. And then once FTX collapsed, they're like, get my money the hell off of this exchange or the hell off of Binance or any other exchange. Yeah. Right. And so, you know what we, we need, we need to have for our own sake, like a month of no bad news. I mean, I, I'll even take a week at this point of no bad news in crypto, but these, these we're just digging our own grave at this point. Yeah. I mean, you just uh, invoked the name of Binance and uh, this is a quote from the Wall Street Journal, which neither of us. Oh, this read, is also so a fucking disaster. Yeah. The journal also said Russians made peer-to-peer -peer transactions worth approximately $428 million a month from October through March, according to Russia's central bank. And Binance volunteers called Binance Angels reportedly told users over Telegram that the exchange isn't imposing trading limits on Russian clients, a restriction it announced in April 2022 to accord with EU sanctions. So to be clear, obviously, the United States and European Union have sanctioned... Listen, by the way, I think Russians should be able to trade. So I'm not talking about uh, my, my personal belief here. I think it's insane that your average Russian person is sanctioned from the banking system and from crypto in general. But if Binance is allowing sanctioned people and wallets to do transactions, the United States is not going to like that very much. Well, if part of the article was that the DOJ is now going after Binance on that. So one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. Uh, how do you think this Binance situation shakes out? Uh, you know, I, I, how do I think this Binance situation shakes out? I mean, I think it shakes out with Binance being shut down. I don't know how it shakes out any other way. Um, it's, it's just, I just, I don't understand how, how it, how it, 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 they clearly did business with us customers as I'm sure you and I have both used Binance.com. I mean, not me, but maybe someone who looks a lot like me and has a different email address. Not right. Me. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's like they clearly interface with us customers They've also interfaced with sanctioned countries, right? They've kind of, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's kind of clear to me that CZ has been like trying to manipulate the price of BNB for the longest time, just talking about it publicly and, you know, being bullish and saying it should go up and things like that, which I, I can't imagine is appreciated by regulators. I don't know. Look, and I'm a fan of Binance and this sucks, right? Like I... I think it's a great product, right? And there's a lot of liquidity in the market. Like, I think it's a good product. I have nothing wrong to say about the product, but they, they've, they've clearly not taken uh, regulation and, and, and operating within a legal framework seriously. And that's just not going to work out. And it's not just that they pissed off the SEC, which, you know, we have disagreements with. 
they pissed off, you know, I'm sure the FBI, the DOJ, and 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 more serious, uh, more serious entities, and not just in the U.S. but in other countries as well. Yeah, I'm torn on the Binance one, sort of for the same reason that you uh, are saying is that I, I think a lot of their lack of compliance was in the earlier years when the regulation was unclear. But this this is more recent and very clear. If this is the case, right? The Russia stuff, like I. I give Binance a pass for allowing Americans with no KYC in 2017 and 2018 to trade on the exchange because there were really kind of no rules and nobody cared. It was like driving Model Ts before there were roadside speed limits and uh, seatbelts, right? But uh, if they haven't cleaned it up since then, I imagine it's going to be very hard. I was wondering if maybe, you know, we would just see a situation where maybe CZ steps back and they get shut down in the United States, but they continue to operate in other places. It was really eye-opening for me. I was in... I don't know where I was, but I was with Rand Nooner the last time we were hanging out. Uh, and he was he had the same opinion as you. And I know he's friends with CZ. And I know he had publicly sort of sold BNB and CZ unfollowed him on Twitter, but they're still friends. But um, and he was saying, listen, this, there's no other way this ends exactly what you said for Binance than DOJ action. And he's gone. I, I hope that's not true. That's not necessarily my opinion, but that seems to be consensus. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, the reason we said we want to air our grievances today is we need to wash all the garbage out. Like we can't move forward until everything gets cleaned out, right? We need to we need to go out with all of the all of the garbage, all the market manipulation, all the hacks, all the rug pulls, all of the you know trading with sanctioned entities, all of the things that are just going to put us in you know the the in the the you know view of the government from a, from a negative perspective for, for, for lack of better ways to say that and, 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 and clean up our act. Right. And I think the frustrating thing is there are a lot of us that are trying to clean up our act, right. And are trying to do the right thing uh, and are right. trying to build infrastructure. And what's it's, what sucked is, you know, the, the, it's, we've just seen setbacks. Like for example, I give a lot of credit to Cowan. So, so Cowan uh, was an investment bank launching a crypto crypto arm, building like a full prime brokerage solution. They got acquired by TD and TD shut them down. Right, because they didn't want to have to deal with crypto and 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 uh, regulatory scrutiny and things like that. And there are other big firms like that that have kind of suffered from similar setbacks. Now, I don't think that would be the case if we had had the FT if, if we had had the FTX collapse, Celsius, BlockFi, all of this, you know, nonsense that's gone on. So, look, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because you know, we're, look, I operate a crypto company. I I employ 80 people in crypto that have jobs with me that you know have livelihoods that require you know. There's a requirement that I, you know, am able to to bring revenue and, and drive growth of the company for for those those folks' livelihood, right? And so for us, you know, we need the pie to grow, right? And we need to figure out what we can do as an industry to to move forward and to shut out and shun bad actors and and not be afraid to say, you know what, this is this is this is this is a fucking scam. This is bullshit. This needs to get cleaned up because we need that in order to move forward so that we can, you know. Look, this should be a step at like the ETF approval, which sounds like it's going to happen. I mean, I, look, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but it sounds like it's going to happen from from all accounts. Sounds like Grayscale is going to win this week. All of these things are great. So let's build on that momentum. But let's also, you know, there, there are too many people that are defending bullshit in this space. And I think we need to we need to just stop defending bullshit. Yeah, I think the problem I think the the distinction there is it's going to become a sort of Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum, I don't know, Bitcoin and institution and everything else. So like I like that none of what you just said, I agree with a hundred percent with all of it. None of that's stopping hackers from just crushing DeFi for years because there's no fix here 
for what's going on. Someone had an interesting comment here that said, one week of no bad news. Stock market has worse news every week. Why follow all this media FUD? Have you guys not learned this? There is a huge FUD campaign. So A, there is a huge FUD campaign against crypto. In the past, we've seen stupid narratives like yeah, environmental impact and only for criminals and all that. But what we're showing you, this isn't FUD. This is literal news of people stealing money from you every single day in DeFi. So yes, there is a FUD campaign, but that doesn't change the fact that we're shooting ourselves in the foot repeatedly. Yeah, and again, we both have 90 plus percent of our net worth in crypto. We both believe in crypto. We are very long-term crypto. I'm a long-term holder. I have fucking diamond ass hands, right? I'm here for the long run, but you know, we need to clean our act up, right? I, and, and, and we need to, you know, look, maybe we just don't ship DeFi protocols as, you know, we don't make as many updates to DeFi protocols and we make sure we that protocols that. are more off. We can't stop That's it. Right? The beauty of decentralization, and I but, say that without sarcasm, choose, is that people can do whatever they want. But, but you can choose where to put your money, right? And you can choose, and you can choose to, to call for more transparency, into how they're doing their audits, when the audits are done, right? Uh, how frequently those, like how frequently they're being audited, whether or not they're making any code pushes post audit, right? I think one of the things that we need to do, do as an industry is call for transparency. One of the products that we offer at the tie to our clients uh, is token unlock data, basically tracking every time a VC fund uh, who invests in a project is going to unlock. So when, when VCs, for example, invest in tokens, a lot of time they receive what's called a, uh, a one a, a one year cliff for your vest, right? Where basically they receive. So let's say you invest twenty million dollars into a project. After one year, you receive one uh, you receive one fourth of those tokens. Then over the following thirty six months, you receive one thirty six. The same thing goes. A lot of times, the teams have vesting, and other you know, and other entities that are involved have. Vesting. I show it. I have it on the time. I, I mean, you can yeah, show it. But my point. Yeah. My my point with all of this, right, is that a lot of these projects are. Are, are, we're, we're asking for we're asking them questions about upcoming token unlocks. Like, hey, you know, what is your vesting schedule? What's going on? When are your investors going to unlock? Because I think the, the 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 market deserves to know what the distribution schedule for these tokens are. And a lot of them are kicking us out of their Discord. They're literally kicking us from their Discord for asking questions about what they're doing with unlocks. And so I think you know, calling for more transparency across the board is only a good thing in this space. We're actually working with a project now to publish their token economics and all of their vesting contract addresses. So you'll be able to track their addresses on chain that are actually distributing all of their tokens. Um, and I think, I think like things like that, right. And, and that fits in kind of the guise of, you know, being transparent about your code pushes, uh, being transparent about your audits, all of that kind of stuff. Transparency is key to moving the market forward here. Yeah, I'm just, I'm clicking through this. A lot of these are bullshit, obviously, which I'm not saying has anything to do with you guys. It's just you track everything. But I mean, ApeCoin right here uh, on September 15th, 8% of the total market cap is being released at once. That should go great because you know those people are totally going to sell the minute they can because the market stay, which is sort of the uh, darling of this new uh, market right now. 5% of market cap, 1% of total supply, same day. Sui, obviously huge. 4.61% of market cap. I mean, if you, if you click into Sui, for example, just click on it. Um, you could see, and, and no, uh, and not saying they have good or bad token economics, uh, but you could see, I mean, they have massive, if you look at that vesting schedule, massive upcoming unlocks uh, over time. So it's only, I think, you know, you're talking, you know, there's only seven, I don't know, what was the number of tokens that are circulating? Scroll up to the top there. 
730 million out of 10 billion tokens. So only, yeah, only 7.2% of the supply is currently circulating through SUI. But things like this, the projects need to be more transparent about that because, you know, you can have a, you can have a situation in which a lot of tokens are coming to market, right? All I'm calling for broadly speaking is more transparency. I just think it's, no one loses if there's more transparency, unless, except for people trying to scam. And, and <laughs> I was just saying, nobody loses except for the uh, founders. And I'm and not saying they, they is, might lose the their way. mansions. Is, yeah, and I'm not saying Sui is. This is no. just an example of a token with a lot of upcoming unlocks. But there are a lot of projects, and, and I think we might ca start calling some of them out publicly, that are literally refusing to talk to us and kicking us out of their Discord the second we start asking questions about when the founders unlock. Man. Okay, well, listen, I think the. Uh, I think I agree with you. We need more transparency. I think that for most people, unless you just understand the risk, DeFi is just avoidable right now, right? I mean, we could focus on the positive side, which is the ETF and institutional adoption and maybe some clear legislation and just focus on the top few things that you know are safe. And if when in doubt, just, I don't know, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> you can also trade assets, right? So keep that in mind. Just because, look, just because everything is not the brightest right now, and look, things look great 30 days ago when XRP got approved, right? So it's funny how fast things change. Even though things don't look the rosiest right now from a macroeconomic and a crypto perspective, what I will say is there's still obviously a lot of opportunity within this space. People are sloshing around their money in circles. You just got to figure out where they're sloshing their money to next, right? So, you know, look at ThorChain, for example. I mean, ThorChain is up 63% over the last 30 days, 41% over the last 90 days. So there are still things you know, Hedera on the back of a, a tremendous amount of positive uh, news and updates, whether it would be their, their partnership with Hyundai or their um, or their, their partnership with a company called Drop, which got added to this FedNow page. Um, you know, they've had some good news. So there are still things that are moving the market. There's still opportunities to trade and there's still opportunities to play the market. But my question is just what lasts, right? And, and you know, like how long is this friend tech thing going to last, for example? I don't know. I, it, I mean, I, I would have said uh, less than a month after using it, but there is an airdrop. So they'll, I'm assuming they're going to keep people. But I even just looked on it this morning and even like the top accounts, I think are down 20, 30 percent and it's mostly selling and, and less buying. And talk about Frentech. When I was digging into it, I understand they have a bonding curve, but they 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 pitch it as five percent of every transaction fee goes to Frentech and five percent of it, every transaction fee goes to the influencer, the person who's minted their token. But when you sell a token, you're not buying it from someone else. It's being minted. So it's really 95% goes to Frentech and 5% to the influencer. Of course, there's a burn mechanism, of course, and then they have to have a liquidity pool and the bonding. But yeah, dude, they're making a ton of fucking money on basically influencers' egos trying to pump the value of themselves as unregistered securities. It's great. It's going to be great. The SEC is going to love it. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna make us look good. Uh, honestly, though, I, I agree with you. I think we are headed in the right direction. It just does seem that right now, maybe it's because so we're in this bear market, and we're in this lull that it's just easy to get these small exploits for people on these no name protocols. But like, I will add one more. Big. I will add one more positive thing. I speak to a lot of founders of top projects in crypto. I'm talking top twenty, top thirty projects. A lot of them have told me. We have a tremendous amount of positive announcements in the tank. We just, just waiting. Don't, we don't want to announce them right now because the market is not good, right? So we have a ton of, there's a lot coming to the market. There are a lot of things coming out, but people do, right now, there's no new buyers. Why are you going to make, or, you know, no new people interested in participating in the market. Why are you going to make those announcements? So there's a lot of, I think there, I think, you know, look, once the market turns, 
right? Well, oh, uh, it's going to feed. The good news is just going to start pouring in. Right, right. But so until that time, let's kill off all the garbage, right? And and let's push for more transparency. The purge seven, yeah. Josh and Scott. Yeah, I love it. And, right, and man, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be more positive next time I'm on, I promise. Yeah, guys, and you should check out the tie. I mean, most of you can't use it, but we do have the newsletter that you can use, obviously, the daily close, which I will uh, show again later. And then uh, follow Josh because he's awesome and uh, provides me with a lot of insights and really helpful. Always a pleasure to have you. And go get, I don't can people get these shirts? They want them. I see it they, in the description. Is they, it possible? They can't, they can't, they, they, they're not currently available right now. But if enough people message, uh, um, they were designed by uh, post underscore tradfi on Twitter. If enough people ping him, maybe he'll make he'll sell them. But they run. Design. It's not the ties design. It was done by 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 Jordan. I don't want royalties for my amazing pitch here, but uh, you know, I got my free shirt. All right, man. Thank you. We're gonna move on to Chris. Have a good one, Josh. Talk to you soon. Yeah, guys. Well, listen, we have a whole lot of perspective on why DeFi is broken. I do like the silver lining that was presented at the end. But then again, we can switch gears at the back part of the show and just say, none of that matters. Let's look at the charts. Right. And I know that Chris and I are both firm believers in that. We missed you last week, Chris, man. Uh, sorry. Uh, no deal. Had some personal things, but I, I hope all is better. It's great to have you back. Hey, I appreciate it, man. You can hear me, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You sound great. You sound all right, great. 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 Yeah. No, I mean, Real quick, man, you know, when when you get to the bottom of the bear market and, you know, and you start to get the rally back out, you know, this is the way it is. It's the end of the world. Everything's terrible. Every, you know, it can't get any worse or it, it's going to continue to get worse, right? Um, it's it's just the opposite of when you're at the tops, you know? Everybody was laser eyes the first, you know, the really the the real top, right? It was laser eyes. It can't stop going out. You know, it's $200,000 in three months. Uh, if you'll remember back, man, when we were talking in 2017, um, as, as we got into December there, right around December, oh God, what was it? Probably like the first or second week there. Yeah, right when the right when the CME approved futures. <laughs> well, yeah, well, right before that, there was somebody had said, oh, um, I remember I was talking to you about it. Somebody had said, oh, you know, Bitcoin to like uh, 80,000 by February. And I said, man, it was listen, parabolic trav. It was like parabolic trav. Do you remember that account? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was something. And I just said, man, I said, this is it. I said, we, we might hit 20 right around there. I said, but this is it. This is, uh, you know, and, and it's that, it's that same idea where we're at right now. Everybody's, you know, everything's terrible. Everything's going down. And so, um, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it. Uh, you know, it just seems to be, I mean, you know, until it happens, it happens. Right. But it seems to be the normal thing that we usually get. Yeah, well, let's talk about the. Let's bring out some charts. Obviously, since last we spoke, we had this sort of uh, I'll call it a correction down from that twenty-eight thirty thirty-one kind of area we were hanging out, yeah. uh, right back to just sub twenty-five. Yeah. Um, that for me, I think even when we both talked about it, kind of this is sort of my line in the sand. I'm not saying it makes us like full bear market, but I really want to see the twenty-five-ish area hold because that was that first higher high. Oh yeah, that makes it easy. Yeah, if if twenty five holds, that's easy. Then we're like, oh okay. If it drops below, all of a sudden everybody's uber bearish, you know. And it doesn't mean that it has to go down, you know, really far and and you know and, and new lows. But everybody's gonna start feeling that way. So, um, interestingly, you know, we've got this Gaussian channel here, and so if we go back on the BLX here toward the beginning of Bitcoin time here, right? <laughs> um, Every time it's gone to red and then to green, you know, that's kind of signaled that the bottom's in here, right? So we did it, uh, you know, that happened back here in August of 12. Uh, it happened back over here, uh, January of 16. 
happened again in uh, here July of 19. And it just happened again here uh, at the end of last month. So this is the weekly chart. Um, so now this doesn't mean that it can't, uh, you know, drop. Because as you see on the, um, on a, what is this, uh, the COVID drop here, right? We got, we got a pretty big pullback. Um, but it's never dropped below that, that low once that is turned green. Uh, and so, you know, for everybody calling for lower, lower, you know, if it does, okay, things are different. It is what it is. But, you know, in trading, I, I think people, I think retail traders tend to get so caught up in this, oh, I've got to be contrarian, right? Um, oh, I'm a contrarian trader, you know, it's just, just to be contrarian. Uh, but not really understanding what that means. And so they automatically pick, oh, it's going to do this. It's going to be different this time, you know. And uh, you just can't get anywhere trading doing that all the time, right? Uh, basically, you do what generally tends to repeat over and over and over again until it doesn't anymore. So for now, uh, this is yet just another thing that suggests that the the bottom likely is in. Um, and, you know, what's happening now is just noise on that bigger move, right? So no, no, it makes me want to bring this chart up real quick as here, just really quick before you go on. Go we have, because what you just brought up and I haven't looked at the Gaussian channel probably since like 2017. So that was good to kind of bring that back. But when you look at the having cycle, which I've said a lot of times is just the plain four year cycle. You know, you have this bottom, we have it every single time. Right. And then mm -hmm. before the having, you start to rise, but you get this shakeout. That's the COVID one higher low. Right. And then you go yeah. back to this bottom way back here. You know, you bottomed, you had this nice drift up, but you come down and make a higher low, that last shakeout before really heading up into the having and then out of the having, right? Happened yeah. here, happened here. So we shouldn't be surprised if we get like a move down, you know, maybe 19, 20, something like that. At some yeah. point I'm talking about in the next eight months before heading back up. That would yeah. that would align with the cycle. And that sort of aligns with what you were showing there. Even if it drops down to the bottom of that green band, it's still a higher low in market structure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and so we've talked about a few different, a few different kind of counts we're looking on here. You know, I, I, the the one I had is this this kind of way off here is maybe this is you know a leading diagonal here. So you get a one, two, three, four, five. So this could still be playing out. You know, and if that happens, I mean, you get a fifty percent pullback around twenty three. Seven hundred, you get a sixty-one eight around twenty-one seven sixty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were just at twenty-four-two on most exchanges on that drop. So, I mean, that's you know. Yeah, yeah. Know. So, I mean, you the way I'm looking at it right now, at least on this Coinbase chart here, is uh, you know, we haven't broken down yet. So potentially, we've got this one-two, one-two, and then one with a deep two here, potentially rallying up. Right. Everybody's very, um, very bearish right here. They think it has to drop down and. You know, there's a good chance it may. You know, we're, we're, we've retra you know retraced ninety percent of this rally up here. But here's my thing: if it does, all I'm doing is look at this as a one-two, and then a one with a flat here as a two. And at that point, you know, we're looking at maybe, you know, this twenty-four-four or maybe twenty-three-nine thirty-six. That area right there um, is where I'm looking for it to potentially dip down to. Um, but again, you know, th that's if this is a one, two, and then a one with a flat here and a two. And so what I'm just trying to get across here is everybody's very bearish about how it has to go down to the lows, but this happens all the time, right? Uh, remember, man, when we were talking back here, um, oh, well back there in 2018, right? When we were talking down around 3,100 being the low and everyone's like, oh no, it has to go to a thousand, it has to go to a thousand, right? And then it started going up like, oh, it's definitely getting rejected at 4,000. It's going down below a thousand. 
And I said, no, you know, it's going to rally it up there to 6,000. And that's what it did. And they get 6,000. was like, oh, no, this is it, man. Now it's going back down to 1,000 or lower. And, you know, and that's just it's the same thing that we see time and time again, every market. Um, nobody's special. You know, everybody kind of does that same thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I hesitate when, when people are very, very bearish. It's drop here. I mean, I'm open to the idea that it could turn down. We've got those targets, but um, I'm not of the mind that it definitely has to. Right. Uh, this is a pretty capitulative drop here. Um, and usually on a correction, you know, ABC correction, you know, that, that's what we would expect is, is a bigger, harder drop like that. Large candle spread, large volume. If we're breaking out here, if we're breaking out above this uh, 26.9 kind of area, if we're doing that, there's little reason to think that we won't rally all the way up here to uh, around 29, 1, 28.6. Yeah, kind of the area of the breakdown. This would be the killer path right here, man. This is the one that gets them, right? We we kind of sweep the low here, yep. head up to 40, 42. Then we put in that like uh, 20,000 and then drop. head up. <laughs> and that would be exactly what we kind of saw here, right? Yeah, huh? yeah. Way down and then puppy into the half. I mean, that's the one that, that's the killer. So you get both the 40 and the 20, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I don't think necessarily we're going to do that. Um, Me either. You know, I'm just saying if that, that that's, the, that's, the pain, that's the pain train right there as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if it did, you know, again, just, just shaking people out left and right. The, the, you know, people are getting in at the lows. They're not very um, uh, committed. Most people aren't. You know, they're kind of, if they're willing to get in, they're scared, but they're getting in anyway, which means that anything happens and they get freaked out. They get short, you know, these close, uh, close stop losses and everything. Uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, humans tend to be humans, right? They tend to do the thing that they do. So nothing's different. Any, any you know, again, doing this almost 30 years, every market, uh, every product, it's every, everybody does the same thing. People act the same way. So Yeah, can we, listen, so uh, your feeling is that we could be putting in a bottom here. We, maybe we go slightly lower and then back to sort of the bullish path that you talked about. But can we talk about BNB? I know we were kind of, it yeah. was, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even know if you had the chart, but uh, Josh and I yeah. were talking about it. So just to cover this really quickly from a fundamental perspective, this is the FUD. I have not seen any substantiated yeah. uh, information. There are some wallets out there. People are saying that Binance is not fully backed, that they're illiquid and basically surviving on BNB, much like FTX did with FTT. I am not saying that's true. I'm telling you what is being <laughs> said. Yeah. And that apparently if it dropped below 220, which it already has, there was going to be this max massive uh, liquidation cascade because that's where they were being defended. And so the rumor is that uh, Binance is selling off their Bitcoin to buy BNB to yeah. defend that level. But we're at 213 right now, and I didn't see anything die below 220, which was everyone was watching DeFi for this loan. So I'm not buying it. What I personally see is us sitting on a major support. I don't know which way that's going to go, but major area of support. Yeah, man. Um, you know, again, that's why I was like, well, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about it. You know me, I like to pick up this stuff, right? Like, so when Saul was down uh, there, you know, at the end of December, was down there at $9. I was talking about that. You know, when GBTC, everybody was like, oh my gosh, they're going to sell and, and they're going to dump all the Bitcoin on the market. And I said, no, nah, watch, it's going to go up and went up, right? And I, I kind of see this potentially as the same thing. Again, no substantiated claims, right? And there's a lot of, oh, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. But nobody's actually been able to, you know, definitively prove that that's what's happening. Um, and so, you know, we come here and again, you know, deep pullback. Um, so we can't, you know, ignore the fact that you know, that the count is in jeopardy here, but, um, you know, I've got this possible, uh, you know, th this idea of this one, two here, again, around a 90% pullback. We've got this, uh, great big, um, 
bullish divergence right now showing up on the daily here from uh, June, just prior to mid-June to right now. So what's that, two months of bullish divergence on that? Um, you know, we've basically got a bit of a, a bullish SFP over here on uh, this, this drop down the other day below this, what was this, June 30th over here of 22. You know, we've got that slight dip below, rally back up. I mean, you know, we want to see we want to see it go up. It, for me, it has to go. We need to break above 248 to yeah. really start going, okay, um, I think that maybe that bottom may be in. So I'm not saying, you know, it, it's definitely not going to go up or it's definitely going to go down or anything like that. I'm just saying, listen, I've got a count here. It says that we could be good. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going out there, but nobody's given any real evidence. So, um, you know, for me, it's the chart. If the chart breaks 248, I'm really interested in that thing popping out, you know, above 400 and continuing up. Yeah, this is the look that I had on it. The, the massive range, basically, from that all-time high back to, I don't know, 211. It's uh, 211 to 692. Okay, that's a really uh, gratuitously large range. You had this <laughs> sort of bear flag here, which was pretty clear, mm -hmm. a little long breakdown. But, I mean, you're at the range lows with a now a long wick down yesterday. Like literally a you know daily reversal type candle, no bullish divergence there on the daily at least locally, but that big one you talked about, and now yeah. popping back in there. I mean, if candles start closing back in this range, you gotta think this is heading back up to the mid range. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just you know it, it, unless, it, unless there is some fundamental thing and this collapses, like you could have been looking at an <laughs> yeah. FTT chart and then FTX collapses. So I'm not saying you buy this. This is risky, right? With all the Binance fund. Right, but, right, right. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's not like you just kind of jump in there and you just go all willy-nilly and do whatever. I mean, um, you know, that's that's not the proper way to trade. Um, but you you get an idea out there and you're looking, okay, well, here's here's uh, an initial validation level. If we get through that, well, then things start looking a bit more like this is actually what's happening. If it breaks down, then it breaks down. It's invalidated. That's the way it is. So, you know, it's a bit of a, of a sit and watch game here. Now, you know, a lot of traders that come in, they're not really comfortable with the idea that, hey, I can't just open up a chart and find a trade and jump right in. You know, they don't like to sit around and, and wait, but that's what a lot of trading is. It's, it's saying, okay, well, here's the structure. Here's what we're looking at now. What could potentially happen? And at what point would I be, uh, you know, more likely to enter than not? It's not like, oh, I'm just going to buy right here because look, it's possibly this, you know? And so there, you know, again, there are no guarantees in trading other than you're going to lose money from time to time. And the newer you are, the more money you're going to lose and the more often you're going to lose it. Right. So risk management, most important thing. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't get to talk about this because uh, we haven't spoken since uh, last week, but this is the four-hour Bitcoin. I don't know if you saw, but RSI in the four-hour hit five. It's the lowest it's ever been in history. Even yeah, lower I saw COVID, even lower about that. any of those. And it was at two, like on the push. <laughs> if you weren't looking at the line chart, there was a point when RSI was sitting at two. I mean, I've never seen that, right? I'm sure That's you've crazy. seen things. Yeah. I've certainly never seen it here. So listen, that means that bullish divergence is inevitable. Right, because you're not going lower than five RSI again. You're yeah. just not, right? Probably. So you got this big bullish divergence, four hour. Look at six hour. It's also there. Look at 12 hour. I don't think 12 hour has not made the lower low yet. So I would still be watching that. But daily, you know, if this curves up, this is a lower low on price and a higher low on RSI. You're talking about daily all the way down, effectively showing bullish divergence. Yeah. But you also have hidden bearish divergence. So to me, this right now is just, and that, that's the newer div. So for now, this is showing major indecision, I think. So, but like if I had to guess a path, which who wants to do that? But I think we do, you know, one of these. So we'd make one more low and then uh, pop up with a really strong, you know, back into oversold. I, I don't know, but like this looks 
even with the hidden bearish divergence, we are. It looks like we are bottoming. I'm not saying it's yeah. the bottom, but the, yeah, it'll be really process, hard. Right? Yeah, it'll be really hard to you know. I mean, daily is now oversold for seven days. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, and we're the, talking, the daily chart doesn't really stay that long. You know, all the times that you you pop out oversold pretty fast on the daily generally. Right, and, and the, you had and bearish the divergence level, at the yeah. The level was from COVID low, right? So yeah, and RSI to be clear. And to be clear, you had massive bearish divergence when it hit overbought. So that was yeah. as toppy as it gets, right? So I, I don't know. I think that uh, all things aside, it, the way you literally taught me to look for potential bottoms, those indicators are showing. Chris yeah, really yeah. taught me about uh, bullish divergence, by the way. Like it was something <laughs> I used, but he taught me how to use it. Right. You know, and, and it's it's the idea that it's a process, right? Tops are processes, bottoms are processes. They're not the, 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 the absolute lowest price, the absolute highest price are just events. And yet, you know, and you have very, very, very little chance of even getting lucky enough to actually hit it. Yet that's what most retail traders go for, right? They're like, oh, I need that. No, just learn to identify when, when the, you know, when the price action is starting to look like it's bottoming or it's topping and, you know, work with that. If you do that, you're going to be a lot more successful. Stop trying to get the, every little penny on there, right? Is there um, anything so else you're specifically watching now, or are you pretty much just waiting to see what Bitcoin does? I'm waiting to see what Bitcoin does personally. So, um. uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, I, I've got Ethereum real quick here. Uh, yeah. Ethereum's interesting. We've got this, uh, I've been talking about this for a while now. We've got this potential barrier triangle or ascending triangle here. We've got this uh, low, higher lows consolidating toward this uh, resistance. Uh, you can see that volume. Oh, there we go. Uh, volume has dropped off as you're consolidating. That's what you usually look for. Um, and then we have this descending channel here of which we dipped just below it here back on uh, Monday. Uh, so maybe potentially a throw under here, but we're not getting a lot of movement yet. We want to see a nice stronger movement up here and rally back out. But I mean, if we are all of a sudden, you know, if we're breaking out through this, um, you know, this swing low over here. So back above the weekly pivot in this uh, 2159 area. I mean, there's little to no reason to, to think that we're not, you know, heading up here to 45, you know, 40, 45, 50 up here toward the uh, the all-time high there. So it's large structure. You know, we're holding this support so far. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. This is the weekly chart, by the way, here. But, you know, again, we're looking to see, does this hold here? It's looking pretty decent. Um, you know, the last week and this week, we're getting these wicks here down into this, you know, this support. Uh, there's all this demand right here. So, I mean, high volume node, you know, man, I just, I, I think the possibility is there, but uh, we'll see. We'll see as long as that's holding there. Um, the only other thing I'm really kind of watching at the moment here uh, is um, the S&P. These are the E-minis for the S&P. Uh, you know, I've been talking about this uh, being an ABC since we did this and the breakout. We've got, we're doing all great here. Um, it looks like... It's possible this is a WXY instead of an ABC, which would mean, um, or I'm sorry, uh, this ABC here gives it a, a one, two, three, maybe a four. And if so, we get a five. So, you know, still the 38.2 is right around that 43.35 area. Um, but I, I think that's it. You know, I think uh, we're just about there. If we're not at the bottom, four is finishing up. It could, you know, it could dip to 50% at 42.41, but ultimately then rallying back up for, you know, this is just four of three. Uh, to get you up there around 4811, uh, which gets you, you know, right up there around that uh, all-time high. So, I mean, I, you know, it looks good still. And, you know, everybody's worried about things happening and, you know, the economy and everybody's kind of like, oh, you know, all this has to happen. But I don't know, man. The count looks pretty legit at the moment. Uh, 
with what it's doing there. So I'm looking for the rally, you know, the continued rally from where we are, or if we break on down, looking at this, you know, 38 to 50% to get us yeah. that push up toward that all time high there. Uh, and then of course, further up. So yeah, the dollar was looking crazy strong. Actually, I, just, I was looking at it this morning. It was at like 103.95, but I think it actually has dropped a bit today. Now I didn't even see that while we were on the show. So stocks obviously showing a bit of strength. Bitcoin just doing its own thing. Yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin <laughs> just, you know, look at me over here. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I know now we're up against time. So uh, looking forward to see where we're at next Wednesday, obviously. Guys, everybody, please follow TX West Capital on Twitter. And you can uh, join and, and really learn from him like I did. Uh, is it is it, is it the, how to trade to win still? Now, Texas West uh, Capital? No, it's TexasWest.Capital now. Yeah. TexasWest.Capital. So guys, yeah, go yeah. check that out. And you can uh, learn from Chris like I did. Because I just stole all my ideas from him anyways, guys. You're just hearing my regurgitations, <laughs> man. Thank you. I hope uh, all goes well on the personal front. And I'll talk Appreciate to you it. next week, man. All right. Take care, everybody. Yeah, man. It's fun to have these conversations where at the beginning we can tell you how everything's broken. And then we can look at a chart and say it might be fine for price. So that's exactly where I want to be. And that's uh, where where I stand at the moment, too. I think my uh, technical analysis aligns largely with what, what Chris is saying. I just think we're not going to get the huge, huge move until after the halving, and that's totally fine because we can be patient. Otherwise, guys, heading over to Twitter Spaces right now to talk about privacy at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Really excited for that conversation. More important now than ever. So I'll see you guys over there, and I'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Peace. That's dope.